Our children, ages 4th through 3rd grade, can be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. Um, If you would turn with me to James chapter 1, we'll be looking this morning at verses 19 through 27. James 1, 19 through 27. Before we read God's Word together, let, let me pray. Gracious God, we do thank you um, yet again for your faithfulness and your, your graciously speaking into our lives um, by your Word. We're also very grateful for how you um, show us who you are, not only in, in your special revelation, but also generally and, and what you have made. Um, we want to give you thanks this morning for how you demonstrate um, your love, your compassion, your care, your nurture by creating mothers. Uh, Lord, you made man, uh, male and female, in your image, and you made us different, but yet we both, men and women, uh, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, we all point to you and uh, in the ways we we love well and the ways we 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 get it right Lord, we point to your your compassion Lord, we thank you for um the fact that uh, you have given us mothers um and again mothers that are that gave birth to us mothers that adopted us mothers that uh just come alongside and take care of us and look after us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would um, strengthen and bless um, these women in, in their, their ministry to their children, whether they be young or grown. Um, Lord, continue to sustain them and keep them. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, when you looked upon your people, Jerusalem, you 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 you. You said you would love for them to come and be with you as chicks come to a mother hen under your wing. And you desire to, to nurture and, and, and safeguard. And that was the, that was the picture that, that you gave us. And so, Lord, we thank you for, for those of us who've had mothers like that. And, Lord, even those of us who haven't, we, we pray that we would find that love and nurture in you, Lord Jesus. And in the other women and the other um, women you put in our lives to, to mother us and help us. So, Lord, we give you thanks this morning for this, um, this, this category, this calling, this reality, this relationship, and for the women you've, you've, um, you've called to do it. Uh, bless them and keep them. Lord, um, help us to now receive your, your, your specific revelation, this book of James. Help us to, to read it and, um, and to listen and hear it and understand it and apply it. Uh, we need your help. Help us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 19 of chapter 1, James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, 
For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Uh, This is our third sermon on um, the book of James. And we had a, an overview of the book, and then last week we, we dove into verses really 2 through 18. And, and though this is a book about, um, largely about living rightly, living together in Christ, that's the, that's the main point of this book, is speaking to Christians, and what does it look like to live by faith? You know, we say that a lot, live by faith, I'm living by faith, I'm living for Christ. What, what does it look like? But it starts with, and we covered this last week, with not how, you know, what to do, but how it is that God begins to conform you to His image. How does He bring you to the point of recognizing your need? And it is through trials and through suffering. And, and just last week, if you weren't here, we, re, we looked at this and realized that, you know what, that's a normal part of our Christian life, that, that to struggle and suffer and to, and to feel like our faith is tested is not an evidence that we're unfaithful or living life wrongly. It's, an, it's a sign of God's sanctifying love and that he is bringing us to the end of ourselves. He's not creating deficits, he's revealing deficits. He's showing us and making us, he's showing us our need, making us humble, and, and desires for us to cry out to him for help. To seek, though any of you who lacks wisdom, verse 5, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And the joy we should have in this process is not just that we enjoy suffering, but our joy is in God's goal for us. That we can know that God is at work moving us toward what? To be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's verse 4. That he's moving us to be to a point where um, we, uh, as it says in the very end, uh, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He has a purpose. He wants to give us and grant us the crown of glory and all that he's doing, all that he is working is bringing us to that end. So one of the means by which we are conformed to his image is through our trials and suffering. But it's also what else? Uh, and he, and he, kind of, he kind of tips his hand a little bit at the beginning. Um, he says, um, of his own will, this is verse 18, of his own will he has brought us forth by the word of truth. The word of truth. And what is that? That's the, that's the scriptures. That's the good news of God's plan of redemption. And so really what we see in verses 19 through 27 is an elaboration of that. How does the word of truth, how are we to, how does it change us? And, and there's three things I want, us, want you to see in this text. It's he's flowing out. What is this word of truth? Okay, so trials and testing brings us to God, helps us to seek his wisdom. Where is his wisdom found? It's found in the scriptures. And how are we to hear 
and, and respond to this word of truth. And so here, here's the three points I want us to see in verses 19 through 27. One, you can't receive if there's no need. You can't receive if there is no need. Second, you're not listening if there's no action. You're not listening if there's no action. And then thirdly, you are not free apart from Christ. Apart from Jesus. You're not free, truly, apart from Him. So, look at these first verses. This first point. You can't receive if there's no need. Look what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear uh, and slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, have you ever heard this said? Man, you can't tell him anything. You ever said that about somebody? Has anybody ever said that, said that about you? <laughs> you can't tell him anything. Um, that, you know, we, we've, we talked about that last week. This, this self-reliance, this independence, this autonomy. It's our fleshliness. We really want to be self-sustaining, independent people. And, man, what does it look like? Do you know people like that? Maybe think about people that you know uh, aren't in Christ. Maybe some that are just figuring things out. Who still struggle with that in their flesh. Who are Christians? What does it look like to be around someone that you can't tell them anything? Um, it, it's usually people you don't want to hang out with, is it? You don't want to be around those people. <laughs> um, you know, um, it, it just you might actually have something to say. You might actually have some wisdom to offer. You might actually be able to point them to Scripture. Be like, no, I, I know. I already know that passage. I already got that figured out. I already know how to do this. I already know how to do that. And it's, it's frustrating to be around people like that. Um, as people, I'm sure I frustrate a lot of people. Anyway, um, but um, this person, typically when you're the kind of person who's got everything figured out, you're also a person that's quick to anger. I, I think those go together. If you're not, I don't think this is like a list of things. I think this is a description of, if you're, not quick, if you're quick to speak and not prone to listen, you're probably the kind of person that's quick to anger. Why? Because you've got things figured out, you know what you're doing, and when something goes wrong, what's going on? <laughs> I was doing it right. Why, is th- why aren't things working out? Why didn't you listen? Why aren't, why aren't things going my way? I know what I'm doing. And it, it, they go together. Being someone who's uh, slow to hear, quick to talk, and I think quick to anger. It's, they go together. Um, we, we really uh, want to get it right and we really are good at getting angry about it when it doesn't, when it doesn't go our way. But what does he say? That it's the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And you would think that, would need to, that could go unsaid, Right? That doesn't, like, of course, me getting angry doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. But sometimes we think, we act like it does. You know what I'm saying? If I get angry enough, then I can make things right, you know? And in that moment, if I'm honest and I sin in my anger, I'm really in that, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make my life right. I'm going to admit, I'm going to make them respond to me rightly. I'm going to make, you know, the circumstances go my way. Uh, you know, I really, in my in arrogance and pride, in our qu- being quick to anger, what we're trying to do is achieve righteousness, but really a righteousness just through our eyes. How I think things should go. And so again, what is it? It's all connected to 
this autonomous independence. I got it, God. I know what I'm doing. I know what to do. I know what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is wrong. And, you know, if I get angry enough, I can make it all work out. You know, I actually think in my times of, of anger that I'm making it better. Is it just me? Does anybody else ever feel that way? <laughs> you know? You know, if I really tell my spouse how things really are, it's going to be better. Does that ever work out? No. You know? No. No. But if I get real angry about it, if I get, mm, serious, that's going to be, it'll get through. No, it usually doesn't work. Um, even with your kids, with your neighbor, you know? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. But we act like it does. We act like we can achieve this, this um, righteousness on our own. But what, what is the answer? What do we do? What, what is, how, do we, how do we grow in righteousness? It's not self-reliance. It's not getting life lined up the way we want. It's not getting angry at people. It's what? It's hearing the Word. It's looking to God. And if we're honest, a lot of us, especially churchgoers, um, we, we're not, we can be bad listeners. We can know just enough to think we don't need to listen anymore. And, uh, and, you know, if we're honest, we're probably better at enduring sermons than listening to sermons, right? I do it too, by the way. And I'm a preacher, right? I even, probably more so, I, I, you know, Rick and I talk about it. We love each other. We know that each other's preaching the gospel. But preachers, we have a tendency to go, hmm, that's what I would say. How would I say that? I don't know. Is he saying it right? He didn't quote this verse. I would have quoted this verse. We do that, and we just kind of... Are we really letting God's Word uh, you know, get into our hearts? And that's one of my questions to you. How do you receive and hear God's Word? Are you just letting it wash past you? Is it just kind of smiling and nodding? Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we really struggle with listening. This is a story from Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, I got this from another pastor. Um, a story is told of Franklin Roosevelt. This is an example of people not really listening. Just kind of going through the motions. Um, he often had to endure long receiving lines at the White House. And he complained that one, no one really paid any attention to what he was saying. One day during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who came down the line and shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Now, okay, I, I thought about not using this because it's Mother's Day. Anyway, but this is a story. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the guests responded with phrases like, Marvelous, keep up the good work. Um, we are so proud of you. God bless you, sir. You're doing such a great job as president. And it was not till the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his words were actually heard. And, um, and kind of at a loss, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, Well, I'm sure she had it coming. And, um, but... You know, like, they were just going through the... He's probably saying something presidential. Okay, that's okay. Thinking more about what you're going to say to the president than what he was saying to you. And finally one person caught on and had fun with it. But we often, we're guilty of just kind of listening to Jesus in that way. Just kind of nod politely, hear what we want, say thanks, keep on moving. I've got some Jesus-y things to say and think about, but is it really, are we really receiving the Word, listening to the Word, receiving it, as he says, with meekness? Meekness, humility. We have to admit that we can't do life on our own. Uh, We've tried it our way, and it just doesn't work. And it's okay. That's what the Christian is not... It doesn't feel like I've got a better handle on things. A lot of times being a Christian, you feel like this life 
is, a, is beyond me. Living for Christ is beyond me. It is hard. It hurts. The trials are real. And I need help. I can't figure it out. I can't negotiate my family, my work, my friends, school, romance, the purpose of my life, my brokenness, my struggle with sin. I need a word from outside of me. I need good news uh, that can save my soul. And we must see ourselves as an empty cup ready to be poured into. We must be broken of our arrogance and self-reliance. The trials and tests of our faith do that, and then we get to have to be filled up with the Word. What is the, one of my favorite hymns, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Wretched? It says, let not, conce- let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness He requires is to feel your need of Him. Such a beautiful line. It's my favorite lines. All the fitness He requires is to feel your need of Him. So how do you do this? You do this by listening. Not letting it wash over you. Not letting the Word just kind of be around you. But really hearing God's Word. That brings us to the second point. You're not listening if there's no action. And that's verses 22 through 25. You're not listening if there's no action. When, it's Mother's Day, so when your mama told you to do something again and again and again, you probably heard this line, Did you hear me? Didn't you hear me? What is mom asking right then? Is she asking, did the sound waves vibrate through the air molecules and reach your eardrums and register? That's really not what she's asking, is it? What is she asking? She's asking this. Are you doing what I said? (laughs) Have you followed through? it's It's a weird way to ask it, isn't it? It's not, did you do what I said? Did you hear me? And the assumption is, if you have heard, then of course what? Obedience, right? That, mom said. Okay, so, um, my mom never had to worry about that. Uh, so, this might be hard for you. I'll explain it later. Anyway, she never had to say that to me. Anyway, um, that's a joke. Um, but, you know, the question is, have you taken action? And that really is a biblical way. That's how the scriptures, the Old Testament, talks about hearing and listening, Listen to Psalm 81. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. He's saying, hear me, listen to my word, through my prophets, right? There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So what, what is it that, that listening involves what? Listening means walking in the ways of God. It means submitting to God. It's not just I hear the words and know the words and memorize the verses, but it affects my life. It's changing my life. Also, Deuteronomy 6, 1-3, through it says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, and you, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all of His statutes and His commands, which I command to you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful, to what? To do them, that it may go well with you. 
the hearing and the doing, the listening and the obedience are always assumed to go together. Just like when your parent says, did you hear me? Jesus would often finish a proclamation with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, with that biblical, the Old Testament idea of hearing involves obedience and doing. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It's an interesting illustration, isn't it? To kind of drive home the point. If you hear the word and then don't do it, it's like you look into a mirror and then immediately forget what you look like. What, how, does that, how does that connect? Well, it's, it's pretty ridiculous to forget what your own face looks like, right? I mean, that's a pretty... I mean, that, that's a, that would be kind of scary, right? What do you... I don't know. Who's that in the mirror? You know, uh, is that me? I don't know. Uh, sometimes I do that, you know. I forget how much, I've, how much how I look at 43. I have this kind of, you know, what does Grant look like? Me at 25. And I look in the mirror like, oh, that's different. Anyway, um... But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, really forgetting what you look like. What does that, what does that mean? Um, have you ever seen someone, uh, I don't know, let's say in Walmart, that you thought, do they realize what they look like right now? <laughs> do they even own a mirror? Have you ever had that thought? Some of you are like, I don't go to Walmart, so I don't know. You have. Anyway, um, it's okay. It's okay. But... You, you, did they did they forget what they look like and just walk in here? You know, I mean, that's a real you know. What does the law do? The, the the law of God, the word of God. One of the things it does is shows us um, how we fall short of His glory. That when you when you hold up the law of God, even these you know, think about. The law God gave to His people, Israel. He led them out of slavery. He, you know, this is that first, you know, Deuteronomy passage. Like, you like you saw the you saw the the pillar of fire, and you saw the you saw the the, the waters being being uh, dried, and and the going through the Red Sea. You saw manna from heaven, and still, what they forgot, they could not keep the law of God. It revealed their need. It revealed their sinfulness, and that's what it does. It shows us. Our wickedness reveals our sin. When we look at the mirror and pretend that we're Miss or Mr. Universe, it's like we have some kind of amnesia. You know? I look in the mirror, the law of God, and see what? How I fall short. And then kind of walk around like I've, I'm the perfect, you know, picture of hell. Mr. Universe, you know? I've got it. Grant, clearly not. Um, but neither are you, okay? <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing. Like we, it, The law shows us our need. Our trials and tribulations show our need, but also as we come to the what God requires in His character, we're shown clearly that we can't do this on our own. We need 
help. We we have this word, we have commands, and man, I, I, I fall short. And so this mirror shows us who we are, that we are sinners that fall short of the glory of God. But but note this. What and sometimes that's all we talk, you know, the, sin, the, the law does that, but it also does another thing. Uh, there, there's, the law, you know, gives us guidance generally of how, how the world should work. It shows us our sin, our need of Jesus, the need of a righteousness apart from, the, apart from our, the, the law that comes by faith. But it also shows us freedom, a way to live and enjoy this life. Look, he says that he calls it what? Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Yes, the law shows us our our desperate need and and our sinfulness, but it also shows us the way of life, the life that is truly life. And that brings us to the thir- our third point. Um, you are not free apart from Jesus. If you are in Christ, the law does not just condemn you. The, the, law, the requirement of the law and, and the penalty of the law is taking away, taken away. And now you, Christ has paid for your sins. And you're indwelt by the Spirit. You've been made a new creation. And now what? You have in Christ the ability to keep the law. Not perfectly. But now you can do something that before you couldn't do. And when I'm talking to kids about it, I kind of almost explain it like a superpower, right? <laughs> before Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sin and could not, only could sin. And now in Christ, you can do something that only Christians can do. You can see the law as beautiful, as good, as a gift from God, the Father of lights, who only gives good things, you can see the law rightly. James 1.17, remember last week, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And the law is good. And it, it, it didn't become good because you see it as good, but you can receive it as good. Why? Because the law no longer condemns you. Christ has come. You have righteousness. You're justified by faith. And now the law is a good thing. It's the law of liberty. It's freedom. It's good. Paul says in Galatians 5.1, he talks about, he says, It's for freedom Christ has set us free. Free from what? And again, we think about freedom as no rules, completely just do what I want. No, freedom is the ability to live in line with and in conformity with our Creator. To recognize that He is good and that He can dictate good in a way that I can't. It's, it's realizing that the, the lie of Satan, that what Satan says, if you eat of the apple, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And becoming a Christian, being renewed in Christ, being a new creation means I recognize I can't dictate good and evil. I'm not in charge. I, if I say what is something evil is good, it will not bring life. It will bring destruction to me and others. There will be collateral damage to, to, to me and others. That, that, that's how this world works. Why? Because I didn't make it, God did. 
And in Christ, now I see that what I'm free from now is self-rule. Christ sets us free from self-rule. From the, the burden of having to figure out life on our own. The burden of, have, of being uh, knowing it all. And by our own will and anger, trying to set things right according to our will and purpose. We are freed from that. Do you think about it in that way? Do you think about obedience to the law as freedom? But that's what it is. That's what it is. This isn't a book, a letter. It's mostly commands. It's mostly like, how how, how are you doing as a Christian? It's not like, turn the screws to you. It's actually going, are you really living as unencumbered as you can? Are you really experiencing the freedom of knowing Christ in a full way? Are you, are you laying down your own self-reliance and pride more and more and more and trusting your Father, the Father of lights, who's full of goodness and grace, trusting the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who laid down His life for your sins, trusting the Holy Spirit, which brings the Word of God to bear and saying, that He is more reliable than me. And to love sacrificially and love my neighbor. To, 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 to run from temptation. It is so hard, but I'm empowered by God to do it. And I now am free to fight the good fight of faith. And enjoy this life more and more and more. Because I'm being more and more conformed into the image of Christ. My nature is more and more being changed Conform me to see that the law is good. The law is good. I fall short, but I want, I desire to do God's will. And you might be going, well, Grant, I don't feel that way a lot. <laughs> but what, is, what does Paul tell us? This is, this is a beautiful passage, and we, we talk about it all the time. The, the tension of this, Romans 7. The very things I want to do, Paul says, I want to obey I want to not do what God, is, what God has forbidden. And I want to do the good that He's told me to do. But the very things I want to do, I can't do. And the very things I hate, which is disobedience, everything opposite to God's revealed will, His law, is what I keep on doing. And so if you can say that with Paul, then you're, you're getting it. You're getting it. Not that you're perfect, but you get that God's Word, His revealed will, His Scriptures are good. It's good. And the law isn't just the the rules. The Word of God, the law, the Scriptures is His character revealed. He's revealing Himself. And He does that ultimately in who? Jesus Christ. Jesus says, "If if you know me, you know the Father. The Father and I are one. The same in substance and power and glory. And He reveals Himself to us. When we rest not only in try to conform our life to His law, when we rest in His goodness and grace and love and, and trust Him as we see Him more and more fully, as we look, behold Christ, then we experience the law not as a bird, not as, a, not as just pointing us, you know, showing us our sin, but showing us the way of life, the way to love, the way to enjoy life, to the fullest. That's how we see it. 
If you're struggling with that, if you're struggling to, to, to think about God's Word in that way, and, and maybe when you read Psalm 1, uh, 119 or Psalm 19, it describes the law of God, the Word of God is good and like honey on your tongue. If you go, I don't... I, I struggle with that, Grant. I struggle with it too. But really, how do we see the law as beautiful? Don't divorce the commandments of God and the person of Christ. Recognize that Jesus Christ is the perfect man. He's the perfect embodiment of law-keeping, of trusting His Father fully and always being righteous. Who doesn't want to be with Jesus? Who doesn't want to be around someone like that? Why? Because the law is beautiful when it is embodied. Because the law is what? Righteousness. But righteousness is also love. Perfect righteousness, perfect love, same thing. So look to Jesus. You need Jesus. And when you have, when you're in Christ, you cannot, the law doesn't just point, show you your sin. It shows you the beauty of who of your future glory self. It shows you who Christ is and it shows you how to conform your, your, your life to His. So that mirror does two things. It shows us both things. Who, who we really are in Christ and who in our, 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 our indwelling fleshliness that we still have to struggle with. But when you find Christ, when you're in Him, the Word of God is the law of liberty. The freedom from sin and, 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 and um, condemnation and also freedom from self-rule and the ability to begin to live for Christ in obedience to Him. This, these last two verses, he breaks down what that looks like. He gives us three categories. You see this in, in verses 26 through 27. It gives us the structure, really, for the rest of the letter. He tells us what doers of the Word are supposed to do. He talks about bridling the tongue, visiting orphans and widows, and keeping oneself unstained from the world. Um, a, a, a theologian named Motier puts it this way, what is the Christian life supposed to look like? A controlled tongue, a caring ministry, and a holy life. A controlled tongue, a caring ministry, and a holy life. And he's going to begin in chapter 2 with, um, with a caring ministry, with the second of those things. But he's, that's, that's what he's going to elaborate on. Again, so we have to want, realize there's trials, there's tests. God is working on us. And he is allowing us and helping us to be ready to be recipients of that implanted word. To listen to God. And not just to hear it, let it, let it drift by, go through the motions. But really as Christians, to, to take it to heart. And to be changed by it, conformed into the image of Christ. It shows us our sin, but more than that, it shows us the way of freedom. How to live in a Christ-like way. How to really love in this world. How to love one another. How do we do this? We listen to the Word, and as we're conformed to Him, we will, He will more and more make us a people that do what? Control our tongue. That are slow to speak. Slow to anger. That He will give us a caring ministry where we look for people that are needy and hurting and we want to be a blessing to them. 
the more we understand the character of God, seen perfectly through Jesus, we want to be that kind of person too. We want to be like Him because that's, that's what He did. Uh, I was just talking to Jack uh, this morning. Jack Tothro over there. Raise your hand. And he was reminding me of the story of the Good Samaritan. He asked me a great question. Who are we to identify with more than anyone in that story? The, it's, the, it's, the, it's the guy laying in the ditch about to die. <laughs> and Jesus is the one who... who he's, the, he's the fulfillment of that Samaritan who, who does everything to restore them. And as we see that, we want to be like Christ. We want to be the good Samaritan. Not just because we want to be moral people or better than the other religious folks. We want to be like Christ who healed us and did everything for us to make us healthy and free. That's our desire control tongue, a caring ministry, and then a holy life. We, when we see the beauty of Christ, the beauties, the false glories of this world fade away. How do you, how do you die to sin? How do you die to all these temptations that we see every day? How do we, how do, we do that? You see Christ and the Word of God is more beautiful, is more reliable. And then we're able to keep, what does it say? have a pure and undefiled religion before God. That's the goal. But it doesn't happen by just trying hard or just seeing our sin. We have to see and hear and and obey the Word of God. The Word that is beautiful because Christ has kept it. The Word that is beautiful because we have been renewed. The Word that now in Christ we can hear not just the sound waves, not just the, not just if go over us, but we can be transformed by it. Will you hear him? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, giving us the law of liberty, giving us the good news of who you are. We, we confess that a lot of times we have amnesia. We, we think we're better than we are. We think that we're worse than we are. We think that some of us struggle. We look in the mirror and we see the gospel. We see the good news. We see our sin. And we walk away thinking, I can do it all by myself. And some of us look in that mirror of the law and the, and the gospel and we walk away thinking, there's no way God can love me. I'm completely horrible. There's nothing He can do. I'm completely hopeless. And we, 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 we have this spiritual amnesia, God. Help us more and more not to be just hearers, but doers. To see ourselves rightly. To see your law rightly. We need your help. Lord, grant us wisdom. Give it to us generously without reproach. Help us to cry out to you asking for your help here. Help us to hear and do in the power of Christ. Amen.